Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. James, real quick, just for about 20 minutes, and then we'll, we'll go, uh, go to the house, get ready for a wonderful week. James chapter 1, studying, receiving from God, things that hinder, whether it be uh, uh, healing, finances, deliverance, whatever it is. Listen, God wants you to receive. Let me say that emphatically. God wants you to receive. His glory is not revealed in those that do not receive from Him. Now let me say that again. His glory. What is His glory? That which is of God that is in the unseen realm that makes itself to the seen realm is the glory of God. Nine people stood up front this morning and either got right with the Lord or gave their heart to the Lord for the first time. That was the glory of God in manifestation. We've heard many testimonies of people being healed lately. That's the glory of God in manifestation. Uh, last Sunday, we saw uh, tw- somebody said 12 to 15 people baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's the glory of God in manifestation. Easter Sunday, we had over 28 people come to the Lord and get right with God. That is the glory of God in manifestation. When we pay our bills as a church, when we write our salaries out, when we don't have to beg for money, but there's a flow of finances, that's the glory of God in manifestation when it comes to provision. Amen? And all the things that we do, when we hear the Word, when the word, uh, when we praise and we worship in our services, all that we do in cooperation with the kingdom of God is God in manifestation as a corporate group, but God wants you as an individual to be a possessor and an enjoyer of His glory. Everywhere you go, the glory of God is in your life. You're being healed in your body. You're being blessed in your finances. Your mind is being renewed. You're being delivered. Not only that, as you are on the pathway of righteousness, the calling of God, or the destiny of God for your life, as you proceed down that pathway, that is also the glory of God being revealed. The fact that I'm a pastor, that's the glory of God. The, past that our st- the fact that our staff is here, Brother Frank, his youth minister, Brother Allen, associate, Brother Chris, the ch- children's pastor, our ushers, our greeters, every one of them are doing something to fulfill a calling in their life, and their obedience to that calling is the glory of God revealed in them. You say, how can you say that? Because I didn't ask them to do it. Every person that we've ever come to and said, would you like to uh, uh, be a part of the ministry here? They'd already known God, already talked to them. God had already spoke to them, said, that's what you're supposed to do. They were just waiting on me to get on the right page. Amen. <laughs> Did I tell you the book of James chapter 1? Look at verse 2. My brethren, that must mean us, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, there's our problem right there. We just uncovered a major problem right there where people don't receive. The Bible says what? Count it all joy. Now, how many people you know when they get a bad doctor's report start jumping up and down, running around the church going, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. How many people you know when they get a, uh, you know, one of those brown letters that say IRS on it, you know, and they want more of your money, start saying glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Well, you may not do it, but you should because every situation of your life that demands an answer from God and from the supernatural is God's way of revealing his glory in you. So God says you ought to count it joy because you're fixing to get a supernatural answer. And you got to count it joy before you have it. So that you can have it. Uh, count it all joy. Now notice what it says. When you fall. 
That means you're just walking along and you fall into it. But it doesn't say count it all joy when you walk into it. Walking into it or intentionally getting into a problem is a situation you got to correct in your own life. Don't spend your life trying to get yourself healed from self-inflicted problems. Let me try that again. Don't exhaust your faith. Wear yourself out. Trying to continually get yourself delivered from things that you initiate, from things that you cause. Well, Pastor, I just try to serve God, but I get in trouble every week, every day. Every... Quit doing that. Let me try that again. Quit doing that. Serve God. Serve God with joy. Serve God with gladness. We shouldn't walk around all, you know, gloomy. Uh, oh, the party's over. No more fun. No, we should have more joy on accident than the world has on purpose. You just have to serve God. Amen. Count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect entire, wanting nothing. Everybody say wanting nothing. That's where God wants to get you. Not to, not to the place where you don't need anything any longer. No, where you don't even want anything anymore. You got all your needs met. You got all your wants met. Oh, glory to God. It says, then, if any of you lack wisdom, everybody say wisdom, let them ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. Now listen to verse 7. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Listen to it in the Amplified. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, ill result, he is unstable, unreliable, uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. You know what he is? Here's what I call him, an I don't know person. What's going on? Well, I don't know. How are you doing? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You love the Lord? Well, I don't know. Are you saying, well, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't know. That's double-minded. Listen, there are some absolutes. I'm glad you're so excited on Sunday night. I said there are some absolutes. Jesus is risen. He is Lord. He loves you. God is your heavenly Father. He cares about you. God is not mad at you. There's healing for your body. There's blessing for your finances. There's joy for your soul. There's peace for your mind. There's destiny for your life. All you have to do is settle it. People waver back and forth, back and forth, back. And what does it say? I like what it says in the Amplified. He's always undecided about what he does, about everything. He thinks, feels, and decides. There's your soul right there. Thinks mind, feels emotion, decides will. You cannot live your life dictated by your soul, where everything you make a decision about is based on how you feel, how you think, or what you decide. You say, what do you mean? When you do that, then you are literally manipulated by outside forces that are able to make you Think certain ways, feel certain ways, and make certain decisions. 
Remember what, remember what Peter said. Day of Pentecost, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. They were having a wonderful time. 3,000 people got saved. Great altar call. But then he said this at the end of his message. He says, now, all of this good stuff has happened to you. You've gotten saved. You've gotten filled with the Holy Ghost. You're in the kingdom of God. Redemption has happened. Everything that the old covenant believed, we've now received in the new covenant. God bless you. But don't forget, don't forget, to save yourself from this wicked and untoward generation. Well, you're not talking about eternal salvation. There ain't no way for you to save yourself eternally. Jesus has done that. So he's talking about your soulish man. The spirit man is saved through the new birth. But the soulish man, the mind, oh boy, here we go right now. One of the hardest places is where the mind. Remember over in 2 Kings chapter 5, we always talk about naming the leper. You that don't know or haven't read it, there's a story over in 2 Kings chapter 5. There was a, a man in Syria. He was a mighty uh, general. Uh, he was a, a conqueror, but he had leprosy. Now, they had taken away a bunch of slaves out of Israel. One of these little maids was working in his house. And she said to Naaman the leper, if you would only go to Israel, there is a prophet in Israel that can get you healed. Well, he loaded up his donkeys and his camels in his caravan, and off he went. He went down to the house of Elisha. He knocked on the door of Elisha, and Elisha sent his servant out. And his servant said, okay, we know why you're here. We know what you need. The prophet says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and you'll be healed. You know what the Bible says? It says Naaman, when he said that, when the servant said that, Naaman got angry. That means he didn't feel good. I don't feel like that's the right thing. His thinking. Because he said later, surely I thought the man of God would come out of his house, place his hands on the leper, and recover. So his feelings affected his thinking. And the Bible says he did what? He went away. So his choice was bad. His feelings were bad. Amen. His thinking was messed up. And he kept his leprosy. You don't want to keep your leprosy. You don't want to keep your problem. You want to get your thinking right. You want to control your feelings. You want to make the right choices. And then one of his servants said, well, you know, uh, Naaman, if he'd have bid you to do some great thing, well, that put his ego in check right there. He said, how much more? Surely did you just go down and dip in the Jordan River? And the Bible says he went down and dipped in the Jordan seven times and came up out of the water, and his skin was just as fair as a little baby's skin was. Well, look how well it worked just by putting your emotions in check, putting your mind in check, and putting your decisions in check. I see people many times, they come up in healing lines. We've ministered to thousands of people over the years. And it's very hard to get an emotional people, uh, very hard to get an emotional person healed. Come up crying and weeping and, and oh, Lord Jesus, help me and all this guy. It's very hard. You say, why? Because they're on an, on an emotional level. Many times I just take them and hold them, hold their arms. Sometimes i got to shake them. And I say, take a breath. Get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Listen, if emotions could touch God, I'd cry myself a million dollars tonight. We'd have crying services. We'd have laughing services. We'd have get mad at the devil service. We'd have all kinds of services, amen. But you'll find out your emotions will not touch God. God will touch your emotions. There are times when the, 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 the presence of God, especially recently in the past two or three months, during praise and worship, there are times when the presence of God gets so strong. I just can't take man Tears just, just fall out of my eyes. I can't stop it. I mean, I just sit there in the presence of God and just weep. I can't control it. That's because God touches your emotions. 
God will also touch your mind. But you cannot contact God with your intellect. He knows your thinking is messed up. And your choices, when you begin to give your choices to God for the first time in your life, you begin to make the right choices. So, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, real quick, just for a moment, run to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. How many love the Word of God? Give me a better amen than that. John chapter 5. Now, this is a unique story. This guy having mind problems, guy guy having decision problems, guy having emotional problems. John chapter 5. Notice what it says after this in verse 1. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue, but Seda, having five porches. Everybody say five porches. In these lay a great multitude. That, so there's a crowd there. There's a big crowd there. There lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Now notice who they are. They're blind, they're halt, and they're withered. And they're waiting. Everybody say waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season. Uh, into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made hold of whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When he saw Je- when Jesus saw him lie and knew that it had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while another is come, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now notice verse 9. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, kind of, how can I say this? In the in response to a phrase I've heard mm, two to three times here in the past six months, I'm healed, Pastor. I know I'm healed. I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Pastor, I know I'm blessed financially. I, I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Now, I'm not putting anybody down that makes a statement like that to me. I'll do everything I can do to agree with your faith. But the thing I want to do is to try to help you with your faith and help you to see that a statement like that is more harmful to you than it is helpful. Pastor, I'm healed, but I'm just, quote, waiting for the manifestation. My response to that is this. No, you're not. You're healed. But I'm waiting for the manifestation. No, you're not. You're healed. See, when you say that, you're stepping back into the sense realm saying, I agree or I mentally assent to what the Word says. But the evidence of what the Word says has not yet been produced. Therefore, I'm waiting for it to be produced so I can believe it. Now you say, no, 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 that's not what, no, that's not what I mean. It really is. Actually, when you say something like, I am waiting for the manifestation, waiting for the check to come in the mail, waiting for the symptoms to leave my body, what you're saying is, I have believed I have received on paper. I believe I received because of what the Word says. 
But the evidence of what my body is telling me, the evidence of what my checkbook is telling me, is telling me I have not yet received from God. Now that is being double-minded. That is saying I believe with my heart what the Word says, but with my head I doubt because there's no manifestation. Ow. Now here we go back to the same dilemma. The same old dilemma. And we've taught on it and taught on it. And we're going to continue to teach on it. And when we're all in church together in 20 years from now, uh, we'll still be teaching on it. You say, what is it? You must understand that you cannot live in the realm of the facts. You must live in the realm of the truth. The truth must be your reality, not the facts. The facts are the symptoms are still in your body. The facts are the check has not come in the mail yet. And if you live in the facts, then you are waiting for the manifestation. But you're living in the truth. And when you live in the truth, it's like, hey, you look like your, your leg is still hurt. No, I don't care what it looks like. I believe I receive my healing. Are you waiting for the manifestation? I'm not waiting for anything. I'm counting it all joy. I'm counting it all joy, and I believe I receive my healing. Well, that must mean you're just waiting for a manifestation. I'm not waiting for anything. I believe I receive my healing. Therefore, the Bible says I shall have it by the Word of God. Therefore, I am not waiting. I have already received. Oh, you're just waiting for your healing to show up in your body. I'm not waiting for anything. My healing is mine. I have it in Jesus' name. I am not waiting. I give Him thanks now. I worship Him now. I'm not going to shout for my healing when it comes. I'm shouting for it now. It's mine now. See what you say when you say, I'm, I, I'm waiting for the manifestation of something. You're adding a time element to something that is timeless. Now think about that for a minute. That, doesn't really, that really doesn't add up or click in your mind because it's not a mind statement. It's a spiritual statement. Amen. You're saying, I am putting time into the realm of timelessness expecting someday... To have it. Now let me ask you a question. This will help some of you. This will pull some of you right into gear. Thank, I'm, I'm so thankful that the Holy Ghost tells me these things when I teach. What if you said that about your salvation? What if you made that statement about your salvation? Well, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Come on, church. Now, I'm still out drinking and snorting coke and, and running with the crowd. And, but I know I'm saved, and I, but I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Everybody would go, you're crazy. You're either saved or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. Well, what, what makes you think it's any different with healing? What makes you think it's any different with prosperity? No, you believe. That's your part. Believe in your manifestations. That has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with God. Let God be God. You be the believer. You be the child. You be the sheep. You be what God calls you to be. And let God be God. And let the manifestation part be His part. Don't you even worry about it. No, you say, I'm healed of God. I'm blessed of God. I'm the saved of God. Well, you don't look like, I'm not going by what I look like. You don't feel like, I'm not going by what I feel like. I'm going by what the Word of God tells me. Now, here you got this guy. He's laid up at the miracle pool. Man, they got camp meeting going on every night. Here comes the angel down. He stirs the water. Somebody comes and jumps in. Now, you know what he's doing. You know what he's doing. He's waiting for the manifestation. That's what he's doing. 
He's waiting for the manifestation. But, everybody say but. Every time the water gets stirred, somebody gets in front of me. Somebody comes down and gets in the water. They get healed, I get nothing. They get blessed, I get nothing. They get delivered, I get nothing. Now, can you imagine, this probably started out really good. Somebody went and told him, hey, man, down at the sheep pool, the angel comes down, troubles the water. Whoever gets in the water gets healed of God. Wow, so he goes down there with great what? Expectation, with hope. What do you think he must have thought the first time he saw it happen? Whoa, that's true. Now he can believe it because he saw it. So he sits there 38 years hoping to see, then believe. Then here comes Jesus. And what does Jesus ask him? Will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? And what does the man say? He doesn't answer him right. Will you be made whole? I have no man. So he goes back to the problem of why he has not yet, quote, received his manifestation. Here's why, oh yeah, I believe I can be healed. I believe others have been healed. And sitting by this miracle pool started out good, but now it's gotten bad because now I'm so frustrated trying to get to work for me what seems to work for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. Will you be made whole? I have no man to put me into the water. But while I'm coming, it's the same old thing every time. Someone else steps down before me. Therefore, I'm waiting for the manifestation. What does Jesus say? Jesus looks at him and says this. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And the Bible says immediately. Everybody say immediately. Well, all of a sudden, 38 years of waiting turned into an immediately. Based on his response to the word. And when he responded to the word immediately, the Bible says he took up his bed and walked. Now, you say, well, how is that relevant to us today? We do the same thing. We hear the testimonies. We quote, lay around by the miracle pool. So-and-so gets healed. This person gets healed. That person gets healed. We come down. We have hands laid on us. We believe we receive. We confess the word. Thank you, Father. By his stripes, I'm healed. Thank you, Father. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Father. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Thank you, Lord. And we go through the routine of all that we're doing in, quote, trying to believe God. And then when we're really pressed, when somebody really presses you, are you really healed? You leave the truth realm and you step back into the facts. Well, I believe I'm healed, amen, but I'm waiting for it to manifest. The reason you're waiting for it to manifest is you believe you're healed. Now, let me close with this. Everybody pay very close attention. God doesn't want you to believe you're healed. Because you can't get healed believing you're healed. Here's, you ready for this? You ought to be used to this exercise. But how many believe I'm standing here? You don't. You don't believe I'm standing here. You know I'm standing here. You say, why? Because you contact me with your senses. You can see me. You can hear me. So there is contact that affirms in your mind that I'm present. So you do not have to believe I'm here. You know I'm here. Are you with me? So, remember the woman with the issue of blood? Came, fell down before him, fearing, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. God wants you to what? To know. How do we know? We contact with our senses. We see. 
We touch, we taste, we hear, we feel. That's how we know. Now, you've got to have something more powerful than your senses in order to override them. In order to know you have something that your eyes, your ears, your taste, your smell, and your feeling tells you you do not have. In order to know that you have it, you have to have something more powerful than your senses. So you need something that the Bible calls faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things that are not yet seen. Which means you can Know that you're healed when you don't see it, hear it, taste it, feel it, or smell it. You say, but I'm not. But faith says you are. How many believe you're saved? How many know you're saved? Do you see the difference? You see the difference? How many, if you died right now, you would know you're going to heaven instead of just Believe you go to heaven. Now, that shows you a work of faith. Faith has had its work in you so complete when it comes to the subject of salvation that you no longer believe you're saved, but you know you're saved. And you know Jesus instead of just believe there's a Jesus. But you've not touched him with physical hands. You've not seen him with physical eyes. You've not heard him with physical ears. You've not contacted him with your physical senses. But you know him because of your faith. That's why every time somebody got healed by faith, Jesus recognized it and said, Your faith has made you You acted, you said, and you did something that you would not normally do if you were just believing. But if you knew that when you touch the hem of his garment, he shall behold, you'd go touch the hem of his garment. If you knew when you cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If you knew when Jesus said to blind Bartimaeus, bring him here. See what I'm saying? Then you would have, quote, faith. And when people say to you, well, I guess you're just waiting for the manifestation. You say, no, I'm not waiting for anything. I know that I'm healed because of what the Word says. I know that I'm blessed because of what the Word says. I'm not double-minded. I'm not waiting to think it, hear it, taste it, smell it, feel it, or see it. And I'm not going to make my decisions based on whether I do or do not have it. I have it. Now that act of faith right there is what brings the power of God into manifestation. That's why the devil fights your mind so strong. He comes against your mind. He tries to convince you that you do not possess it. He comes against your mind and tries to make you think you're a fool. He come against you, call you a liar. Here you are saying you're healed and you're coughing and you're going to the doctor and you're taking prescriptions and this is wrong and you're getting treatment and here you are saying that you, people think you're crazy. Quit saying that. That's what the enemy will tell your mind. He'll tell you, but if you are in a true, quote, fight of, fight of, not a fight of hope, but a fight of faith, you'll stand your ground right here on the Word of God. I've done it when my body was telling me, you are, you ought to be in the hospital. 
And I'd stand up and preach the word and say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And lay hands on others and see them healed. I'd get on airplanes. I'd fly to meetings. I'd go all over the place declaring, I'm the healed of God. And my body was telling me, you are not the healed of anything. You're sick as a dog. And I would say, that may be the facts, but the truth is. But the truth is. Therefore, I'm going to act on what I know and not what I think. And when you act on what you know and not what you think, I guarantee you, God is going to rush into your situation. That is what faith is all about. Telling your senses, you're not in charge. You're not the one that tells me I'm healed. You're not the one that tells me I'm blessed. You're not the one that tells me I'm saved. Here it is right here. He's the one. The Word tells me I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm prosperous. That's where I get my information. When you get your information from there, you can't go wrong. You say, why? Because he's right all the time. Amen? Lift your hands up and thank God tonight. Father, we thank you for whatever we need, for every adjustment that you're making in our faith. Fine-tuning us, Father, so that not only we can receive from God, but that we can minister to others the life, the power, the anointing that is necessary to set men and women free. Thank you, Father, for the Spirit of God being upon us causing our eyes to be enlightened so that we might know we might know we might know that which belongs to us because we are the redeemed of the Lord we thank you for that Father we receive it in Jesus name and everyone says now one quick one quick thought and we'll go the opposite of that is fear the opposite of that believe in everything your feelings tell you Amen. I mean, you watch a news report and get afraid. I mean, I can tell you, you know, some crazy guy over in Korea might want to send a missile at you or something. You listen to that to the point that you hear it. It can cause fear. I remember one time uh, there was a, it wasn't Ike. It was several years before, maybe 10 years before Ike. There was a particular storm that got in the Gulf, and they began to talk about its, its approach uh, uh, coming up the coast, possibility of it hitting Galveston. And I remember going into uh, uh, um Kroger wasn't there at the time. It was over there by where the uh, uh, academy is. Remember when it was, Kroger was over there where the academy was? Kroger used to be there. I remember walking into that Kroger. And literally when I walked into that Kroger, I could physically feel fear. I could feel it. People were taking and getting all the stuff off the shelves and buying bread and buying water, getting batteries, getting flashlights. They were preparing. Remember that, Leah? You had your business at the time. And everybody was running. Well, I had prayed. I would prayed and, and said, Lord, what should I do? Do I need to pack up and go? Or the Lord said, no, there won't, it won't be no problem. won't be no problem. So I totally remember you had that. You got the day off. We stayed at home, had a good time, drove down here. I went surfing, had a good time. The whole island emptied out. And we had a, we had a great day at the beach, just, just, just us and a few other people. And the storm which was supposed to come right up the coast and in the gal just hooked and went right into Mexico, right below Brownsville. And everybody came back, took the boards off their houses, the tapes off their window, and ate all their food, <laughs> used up their batteries. But it was a great testimony to me about the impending doom and how expectancy of impending doom causes great fear and how people will act on that fear. And if you get people in mass acting on that fear, you got panic. What if you could get a group of people just the opposite, acting in faith like that? Boy, you could have revival then, couldn't you? 
Well, that's why God gives us revelation in the Word. So that we can make the adjustments we need. So that we can know we are the redeemed of God. So that we can know we are the healed of God. So that we can know healing is not something we're trying to get. Healed is something that we are. Prosperity is not something we're trying to possess. Prosperous is something we are. You're born again into it. Into healing. Into blessing. Into deliverance. You're born again into it. You spend your life by faith believing you receive. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.